I do not believe I have done this presentation. What I think I did is I prepared the presentation, put it all together, and put it away, and forgot about it. And I looked at it today, and I thought, I don't ever remember doing that. I put a lot of work in this. I never remember doing it. So here we go. I want to talk to you about the seven wills of God. Seven wills of God. We need to know the will of God. We need to seek the Bible for our answers because that's where they're at. 95% of the will of God is revealed in the Bible. Pentecostal folks have struggled with this because they want to, they feel like 95% of the will of God is the Spirit of God directly talking to them about stuff. And so they're tossed about by every wind of doctrine. If they feel this way, well, maybe I shouldn't do that, or maybe God's telling me not to do that. Or, and it's a terrible life. It's, it's, a, it's a life of imbalance and a life of, uh, a life of indefinite. But I believe that's not God's way. Uh, you read through the New Testament, he talks about being of a sound mind. Stability is the fruit of the Spirit. Stability is the fruit of the Spirit. The last fruit of the ninth fruit of the Spirit is temperance, self-control. Uh, so um, it's not a, a you know, a uh, unstable life. It's the opposite of it. Worldliness and sinfulness is unstable, but not, not Christianity. Bible Christianity, people that love Jesus, are stable people, predictable people, repeatable. You can rely on them. You can take it to the bank. I mean, I'm trying to use this verbiage to kind of describe, as you already know, people that are saved. I've been here 41 years, 41 years. That, that doesn't happen without God. And so somebody would have, would have fired me by now. Here we go. I think here we go. I don't know. This thing's not wanting to work. Do you think that battery shot on this or it's just me or? This, this thing did work just before. I, I tried this before I came. Ephesians 5.17, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You can know the will of the Lord. You and I can know God's will. We can know it. It's doable. It's knowable. God, the important stuff. So here it goes. Having a flame out here. Is it possible to really know the will of God? Colossians 4.12, we're going to get it. And if you can't read it, I'm so sorry in the back. You could set in the front. Uh, Colossians 4.12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Now, God wouldn't be playing with you. He's telling you you can know the will of God and you can do the will of God. He'll not only tell you what his will is, he'll empower you to do it. Well, I'm not real happy with the way this is reacting. I don't know what has happened. This is really a reliable system. Well, the fact we're having resistance excites me. Number, I missed the slide. Did I miss the slide? No? Okay. Okay, I'm going to go over seven of these real quickly, if we can make it happen. Number one, all it's God's will that all would be saved. 
You want to try to change the battery in it? I don't know what this battery No, this is a plug-in. It's a plug-in. We're shot. Let me try it, and then we'll have to just plug it in, okay? It probably got weak on us. Matthew 8, 18, 11. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Uh, even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. One of my favorite passages, by the way. I'm encouraged in children's ministry. Who by? Jesus. He says, go out there. Because he said, I'm not willing that any of them. You mean, I preach a whole message around God does not get his way. Everybody thinks God gets his way. God gets exactly what he wants, when he wants it, how he wants it, where he wants it. Wrong. Wrong. He said here, that it's not, it's not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones perish. But we know little ones grow up to be big ones and sometimes reject the gospel and do perish. I've known people. So the context, of course, being children here. I may have to have you do that for me, brother. You just use one of those arrow keys. Give it a shot. I'll just tell you, hit it. Okay, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Some men count slackness, but as long as suffering to us word, and you know this, been quoted a lot here, not willing that what? Any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So God doesn't get his will way. I mean, he would none would be lost, but some are going to be lost. In fact, he said actually few would be there that finally hit it. 1 Timothy 4.10, For therefore we labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of how many men? The Savior of all men, especially those who believe. Now this is huge. This is huge verse. Because the Calvinists would want to tell you he's only the Savior of those he predestinated. And he didn't shed his blood for those who were going to reject him, because he knew who was going to reject him before they rejected him. So he never would have shed his blood for those people, knowing it would be a waste of blood, if you want to put it that way. A waste of sanctification, but the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says he shed his blood that every person that ever takes a breath could be saved if they repent and trust Christ. If they repent and trust Christ, every person that ever took a breath can be saved. I've had people tell me going door to door, I'm too bad, preacher. You do not know the bad things I've done. I've done such wicked things, such awful things. I've had military people tell me. I've killed too many people. A one guy melted a machine gun barrel, two of them, killing Chinese in, in the uh, chosen few. And he said, I killed literally thousands of Chinese soldiers. How can I go before God with that much blood on your hands? I said, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. I said, when he hung on the cross, he knew you were going to do that. By the way, you're not probably the worst guy that ever was. Guy like, I mean, there's other people have killed. I mean, I, I mean... Truman, I went to Truman's, I've been to Truman's house, been to Truman's library. My dad liked Truman. My dad liked Truman. Now, you don't know history, you don't know who Truman is, I'm sorry, but Truman was the president uh, after Roosevelt died, and he was literally the God-called guy for the moment. And my dad was, was on station on Tinian, waiting to be deployed to the main island of Japan to take the island. And all the men that were on those islands of Okinawa and all these other islands that had been taken by America by that time 
had survived taking those islands, which in some cases was 50%. So they already felt like they had been, they had, they had beat, beat their odds. They were there, they survived, they took the island, woo! Then they all talked about, we're going to have to go to the mainland of, Ch of Japan and take mainland Japan. And they're, they're, you know, they're hunkered down. This is their homeland. They're going to fight to the last man, and we're all going to die. Well, it was estimated, I believe, I read, that a million American men would die taking the island of Japan. And my dad was one of them. And when they flew the old Enola Gay and all them out of there, and they bombed them, Italian bomb killed 300,000 people, vaporized 300,000 people, uh, he was happy. He was happy. He was happy because it saved him. Truman was told by MacArthur, I have 27 more cities I want to drop the bomb on. I want to take China. I want to conquer China, get it done once for all. We got the bomb. We got the people. Nobody else has it. We can take all of China. We'll, do 20, we'll drop bomb on 27 of their cities till they, till they surrender or one or two cities till they surrender. But we, here's a list of 27 cities. I saw this on a documentary on TV, highly credible. Truman said to him, I have to stand before God someday with the blood of all those people I've ordered, I've ordered dead to be killed. I'm not going to have any more. We're not going to do it. Now, that was a, there was a time when MacArthur was more popular than the president. You know, they wondered if he wasn't, they called him King MacArthur. They thought he may be the king. He could come to America and people would just make him king because he was a war hero. He was a great man. But he did submit to authority. He submitted to Truman's authority and bent the knee to that or there would have been an uh, insurrection on both sides probably, you know. So uh, God worked it out. But uh, you got to answer to God sometime for what you do. He's the Savior of all men, everybody, but especially them that believe. And that's you and me, I hope, in this room. You've trusted Christ, your personal Savior. You believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. And you've repented and asked him to save you in some way or fashion or form. You know it. Hit it. You may have to hit it a couple times like that, that little bubble in the bottom up here. Hit it again. There you go, my brother. Hit it again. There you go. First John 2, 2. And you can go ahead and hit it again. And then put that up there also. There you go. He is a propitiation for our sins, 1 John 2, 2. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Now combine that with a verse you just read. He died for all men, especially them that believe. His propitiation is for the sins of the whole world. Right? I think I, think I got a pretty strong argument that Jesus Christ died for everybody. 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 6 says, for this is good. Go ahead and hit that. I think the sixth verse is also up here. For, okay, for his good and acceptable sight of God our Savior. And you know, I underlined it. Who will have all men to be saved? Does the Bible say what it says or doesn't it say what it says? I don't think it's trying to encrypt anything. I don't think the Bible is trying to be confusing. I don't think it's trying to hide stuff from us. It, it, you do have to have the Holy Spirit and be right with God to understand it. I get that. 
And I told you that last Sunday. I said, somebody that's a liberal, they'll never know the Bible. They can't know the Bible. Joe Witness can never know the Bible. Mormon can never know the Bible. They can't know it because they don't have the Holy Spirit and never, ever, ever know it. It's a labyrinth of confusion to them. They come up with wildest, craziest conclusions. What it seems like is wild and crazy to people who have the Holy Spirit and have the one who wrote the book interpret it for them. So there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for who? So if words, are, if words mean what they say, and don't they? Especially the Bible. The Bible, who was, which was written by the Holy Spirit. No matter what your theological background, if you're Reformed theology or whatever, don't forget all that. The Bible says what it says. It says what it says. You know, Calvin wrote the Institutes 23 years old. What did he know? He didn't know nothing. 23-year-old shouldn't be writing anything. Truth, truth, truth. 23-year-old shouldn't write anything. You shouldn't start writing. I believe it was Edersheim that wrote The Life and Times of Jesus Christ the Messiah, like 1,100 page, 1,200 page. He said, no, you shouldn't start writing here 80 years old. And he did. He wrote some big books. Because uh, if you're, you're too young to get the big picture and you need to wait on God, and I'm waiting. I haven't written a book yet either because I'm only 69 years old. I'm too young. Who gave himself a ransom for all to testify? Hit it. So number that was number one, but we were screaming through this. Number two, that you would be sanctified. It's the will of God that you would be saved. It's the will of God that you'd be sanctified. Hit it. <clears throat> and just yeah, you're doing real good back there, by the way until you go to the next slide when you're not supposed to. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Well, that's interesting. It mentions fornication. Well, fornications in all the sin lists of the New Testament, and there's five major ones. Immoralities are number one. <clears throat> Immoralities, number one. Duh. You live long enough to know Immorality has taken down a lot of good, a lot of a lot of good people have gone down on immorality. Preachers go down on it, deacons go down on it, married people go down on it. Immorality is prevalent. It's one of our greatest weaknesses. With covetousness is the second one. So, boy, I tell you what, you better flee from fornication. I mean, flee like leaving a burning house. Flee like Joseph fled at Potiphar's wife. Just leave your coat and run, brother. It ain't the time for me sanctifying and try to pray to God. What would you have me to do? <laughs> By the time you finish that last word, it's over. You already figured out what you want to do. And Philippians 2.5. So, so I guess I want to explain here on sanctification, which I've done so many different times. And some of you old timers heard this over and over again, but it won't hurt you. Sanctification is a word with two directions. It's separating yourself from evil. It's also separating yourself to God. It's a two-directional word. And so it's a beautiful thing. You don't want to be just sanctified by separating evil than being cold towards God. Or you don't want to be like hot towards God but involved in evil. By the way, that's happening all over in Christianity today. They are real hot for God, but their lives are full of sin and inconsistencies and worldliness. You know, love not the world. You know, first... 1 John 2, 15, 17, love not the world and the things in the world. If you love the world, you're an enemy of God. That's what the Bible says. 
So you got Christians who are hot for God. I mean, they're hot for God. They're excited about God. They are excited about the Word of God. But they're living in a worldly fashion. That's a contradiction. They haven't got their full sanctification. Full sanctification is living hot for God and living cold for sin. Cold for sin. Separating away from the world. Don't let it introduce itself and, and dominate you because that, that's not God. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And so, uh, which of course was to be a servant, give himself for us. Hit it. Well, it's a well-traveled verse here, well-known verse for people that are in the Bible much. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know, uh, it's been said, God doesn't want you to die for him. He wants you to live for him. If he wanted to kill you, that'd be easy. But he wants you to live for him. Anybody can die, but not everybody can live for God in the midst of a hard situation. He wants you to live for him. A living sacrifice, holy, that's separated away from evil, separated to God, acceptable unto God, do it God's way, not your way, which is your reasonable service. Uh, the, that, that, that translation there is interesting because it's uh, uh, your reasonable service of worship. What is worship besides service? Is worship just saying, God, I think you're great, I think you're great? Or does God would, would, would God prefer obedience over sacrifice? He prefers obedience over sacrifice. So he would rather have you come and uh, uh, do his will, which is known, than, than, you know, to sacrifice even praise, sacrifice of praise, you know. Because it's like a kid coming to you and saying, Mom, I love you, Mom, I love you, Mom, I love you, then, and I never clean in his room. Well, how about you clean your room and say you love me a little less? Amen? Quit saying you love me and clean your room. I'll live with it. But I think you can do both. I think you can say, I love you, Mom, and clean your room. What's wrong with that? You can do both of them. God will have you do both. Be not conformed to this world. Why? Because you can't. There's not possible to dwell in both worlds. I mean, you may think it's possible. I, I mean, you know, I, my mother used to tell me, oh, son, you can't put one foot in the world, one foot in things of God. It ain't going to work out for you. It's like the guy who steps on the boat at the dock and, and the boat starts moving away from the dock. There's a point of no return on that. And you've got to make a decision which one you're going to be part of because if you don't, you're not going to be part of either. You're going to be in the water. How do I know that? Well, I've done it. I've done it. And you gotta, you're sitting there going, too late. And so be not conformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you prove what it is. Like, these are the three wills of God, the three wills of God, a good will, acceptable will, and then the perfect will of God. I believe there is a permissive will of God. Hit it. There's a permissive will of God. You know, I've been thinking lately about this. I've been thinking lately about, this is off subject a little bit, about Joseph. and You know, Joseph was uh, raised from 13 years old on, pretty much as an, and he was raised as an Egyptian. He was given an Egyptian wife, which was a daughter of, a, of an Egyptian false god priest. Um, when his brothers read and they didn't recognize him, probably because he looked Egyptian. He was dressed like an Egyptian, haircut like an Egyptian, and maybe even talked like an Egyptian. 
But God used him, didn't he? Interesting. I think of Moses. His name was Egyptian. Moses is not a Hebrew name. Moses wasn't given a name. That was given a name. Pharaoh's daughter gave him his name, Moses, which means to draw out. Here he had a heathen name, raised by a heathen culture. And he went out and married. He didn't marry a Jew. His name, I think his wife's name was Zephyrah. Zephyr. She was a Midianite, Midian, uh, Midian woman, I believe, uh, a shepherd woman. I mean, so God used him. I thought to myself, wow, it's outside the box. It's outside the box a little bit. Number three, that this is the third will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. That with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Hit it. 1 Peter 2.15, For so is the will of God that ye with well-doing ye may put to silence the, the ignorance of foolish men. That's the full verse. All kinds of well-doing, helping the poor, comforting the sick, inflicted, doing good all men, especially those of the household of faith, soul winning. There's a lot of directions we can do good, amen. But do good everywhere you go. Do good everywhere you go. We miss Bobby Rose tonight because he did good everywhere he went. He did good. He just did good. He was just he was just going to be an asset wherever he was. He was going to be positive wherever he was, help people wherever he was. And, and that's the kind of people we want to be like, right? I mean, that's the way we want. There's been a lot of those type of people come through gospel. Well, I'll tell you what. Woo! Next. Number four, suffering as a Christian. That is the will of God. Now, I know I've had, I had somebody today arguing with me about this. Go ahead. Hit it. Um, it says, they said, God's not mean like you make him out to be. I said, I don't make God out to be anything. What do I know? I said, I just look at the Bible. He said, well, you make God out to, like God allows suffering to come in our life. Well, well, what did Joseph say? I just said it to you last Sunday. Three different times he gave God the credit for all his suffering from 13 years old to 30 years old. He said it was God, it was God, it was God. And this person's arguing with me, that, you know, like, you know, I don't believe God's mean like that. I said, well, where'd you get your knowledge of God? Where are you getting your deep knowledge of God that you think you know God so well? Well, I just know. <laughs> Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. According to what? A lot of our suffering is according to the will of God. Would you not read that? Does that not read that? You know, when you women have babies... You suffer. Now, even in modern time, they still suffer. I had a girl that was doing dry birth, is it? They call it dry birth, next to my wife when we went in there. And she was screaming like it was the end of the world. I wanted to go over there and put a rag in her mouth. I mean, that woman was ruining my woman. My woman's trying to have her baby, and that woman's, ah, you know, screaming like I can't even duplicate. And I said to the nurse, can you shut that woman Oh, she's been having dry contractions for 24 hours. I, I don't know what that was. I'm a 19-year-old kid. I don't know what that is. What's dry contractions? Give her some water. <laughs> I know this from Genesis. God wants you girls to suffer in childbirth. He wants you to. 
Sinead, that's true. <laughs> Commit the keeping of their souls to him with well-doing as unto a faithful, not a mean creator, but a faithful creator. Glory to God. God's not mean. Suffering, here's what it is. If you've ever been to the gym, and some of you, I don't know if you've been, if you've never been, if you've ever been to the gym, the more you suffer, the bigger you get. Them big boys, you see them big boys that look like a statue? They suffer a lot. Because they sit there and they, they suffer, 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 suffer. They get looking, wow. Wow, what a specimen. Can't work, but I mean, they look good. Go ahead, next. For unto you is given in behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but to what? That's a gift. When something says something's given to you, that's a gift. You know I mean? So we could say by this verse that it's a gift of God to suffer. It helps you when you're suffering, by the way, to know this. Because then you won't resent what's going on. You won't get mad. You won't get bitter. You won't get angry. You're just going to say, well, evidently this is the best thing for me. When I got melanoma... When I first heard the news of melanoma, I, I had to be honest with you, I wept. I wept. I'm tired of being sick. And then I say, well, the Bible says, be not weary and well-doing. I thought, okay. In other words, the Bible rebukes me. I have a thought, and then the Bible comes up and rebukes me. I thought, oh, be not weary and well-doing. For in due season, you reap if you faint not. But I was ready to faint. I just don't know if I can tell much more of this I'm going to take. And then... Uh, then they told me I was going to cut my hair off. That bothered me, you know. And don't say it wouldn't bother you because you're vain just like I am. You don't want your parts taken off. And, but I thought, well, it's a lot better than losing my nose, I suppose. I suppose it's better than losing all my lips. I've known people have to lose all their lips. And I, so I started thanking God that it wasn't so bad. If I look at you this way, you can't even tell. I just got a little small ear. This way, I got a big ear. See, God's helping me. He's helping me. Next. I'm coming to the end. I am. We're going to have to hurry, though. Philippians 3 8. You doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellent knowledge of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ, another verse, Peter, Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should do what? Follow any steps. One of my favorite songs lately I've been trying to put on my mind, I'm trying to practice Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8 says there's eight things you ought to think on. You ought to think on them. And so if I go in a store, I'm, I'm like the fireman. If I go in a store in here, Ain't nothing but a hound dog. And that's all I'm thinking about all day. You know, I ain't nothing but a hound dog. I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm a born-again Christian. What am I doing thinking about a hound dog? Rocking all the time. I mean, wait a minute, stop it, stop it. Two in the morning I wake up, ain't nothing but a hound dog. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I got to get that out of my mind. How am I going to get that out of my mind? I got to put something better in there. So I've been listening to... Via Della Rosa, the way of suffering. Well, I can't sing it very well. But I've been listening to it over and over again. Well, my wife's listening to it with me. 
So she tells me today, at 2 in the morning, all I can think about is Via Della Rosa. I says, better than, ain't nothing but a hound dog. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, put something good in there. Keep it, keep it going. Okay, next. Next. Uh, it's not his fault. It's my fault when I made this. For deliver us from evil. That's the fifth will of God. Deliver us from I'm going to get done with this one way or another. Maybe 10 o'clock. But deliver us from evil. Hit, hit it. Woo, that's all there is on that slide. Now, don't, don't do anything. Who gave himself for our sins. Boy, this is a good verse. That's one of my favorite verses in Galatians. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil will uh, world according to the will of God. That is a snippet of the will of God. What's it all about? He's delivering you from this present evil world. Don't be loving this world too much. He's delivering you from this present evil world. According to the will of God. Hit it. Number six, our calling. Oh, we are screaming through it now. Number six, hit it. Second Timothy 1 1. I, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. Hit it. That was quick, wasn't it? Verse. Wait a minute, don't hit it. You should be able to go back on that with, an, with the other arrow. I say you should be able to go back on that with the other arrow. You, got, you can't eat that cookie, though, while you're doing this, brother. you got to be with me all the way. Go back to that before. Go back to that one with the one verse, number six. Go back to number six. Just go to number six. You can use your pointer. No, before that, there's the one before. No, that ain't going to happen. I guess we're going to number seven. That you may have everlasting life, the will of God. Okay, go ahead. Hit the next one. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up to the last day. Isn't it interesting he uses the word see the Son? He, he says in the 12th chapter of that same book, he says, as Moses raised up the serpent in the wilderness, so will the Son of Man be raised up. And, when he's, he's, and I'm, I'm quoting a paraphrase. I'm not quoting, I'm paraphrasing it. And he'll draw all men to himself. I believe it's 12, maybe 40. He draw all men to himself. In other words, when you lift the Son of Man up, he draws all men to himself. When we, when we have this uh, uh, Easter service on the beach, and I know a bunch of folks are going to show up, there's a lot of pressure on me. Now, what do you preach? What do you preach? What do you preach? You got this one shot. What do you preach? Lift Jesus up. Lift him up. Don't over-explain it. 
Just lift him up. And, and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God combined will draw all men to him. In other words, one way or another, they're going to be drawn to Jesus. Now, they may say, I don't want him. That's not for me. But they're inside, they're going to have been drawn. And when they stand before God, they will not be able to say, nobody ever cared about me, nobody ever warned me. First of all, nobody's going to say that because the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork, day and day utter speech, night and night showeth forth wisdom. There's no speech or language, their voice is not heard. Let me just tell you, there's not going to be anybody say God didn't talk to me. God is talking to you. He's talking to you through the flowers, through the birds, through the bees, through the flowers and the trees. He's talking to you. He's talking to you, man. He's talking to you through the sunset and the sunrise. He's talking to you through the song of a whippoorwill, which is up north, not down south, which I got corrected on, fact-checked a while back here. The one we got here is called something. And that's what it sounds like, too. The name is what it sounds like. Say it again slow. Did she say? Because they go, Chuck, Will's widow. Chuck, Will's widow. Chuck, Will's widow. If you listen to them, they always go, Chuck, Will's widow. Chuck, Will's widow. They all heard it. Are you sounding it? Do I have it pretty close for you? Chuck, Chuck. That's it. That's that's the one with a higher voice. Chuck, Will's widow. That's right. I thought we had whipper wills. No, we don't have whipper wills down here. We got Chuck, Will's widow. Chuck never comes. I think I'm. I think about God when I see that bird. When I hear, I don't see the bird. It's real hard to see, and rarely do see them. But when it, um. My, my brothers and sisters, he's, he's, he's screaming at people. He's literally screaming at people. I am God, and there's none else. Seek me, and you shall find me if you seek me with all your heart. When you turn your heart towards God to know him, he's there. He's there. He wants to know you. And he knows you already, really. He just wants you to be part of his kingdom because you, Jesus died for that, man. I mean, he gave everything he had. So these are the seven wills of God. Go ahead and hit the next one. I got one other statement. It's very important. It's not Bible, but it's true. If you want to be stupid, you got to be tough. That's another one. Life is hard. It's harder if you're stupid. But another one was if you, if you <laughs> amen. Okay, Father, thank you for the few minutes together. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the, the phenomenal magnitude of the wisdom, which we're just are touching the surface. Pray that your hand be manifest. These dear people have come tonight and those who are watching on line your word would help us that we'd look around everywhere and see you everywhere in jesus name amen if you would like to know more about the lord jesus christ you may contact us at the church website gospelbaptistchurch.com 
or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.